Everybody, welcome to our podcast. I'm Penny. And I'm Rinaldi. And this is She-Hulk Cast, a podcast dedicated to the Disney Plus show, She-Hulk Attorney at Law. This episode, we're covering Season 1, Episode 8, Ribbit and Ribbit. And I want to welcome Rinaldi to the podcast. He has been a listener this whole season and reached out. And uh, he has his own podcast called Marvelous Friends. And I recommend it. It's pretty great. He and three other people, uh, Rob, Fergie, and Elise, uh, just get on and talk about whatever Marvel news or shows are current at the time. And uh, they're very passionate about it. They have some differing opinions. They give each other a hard time. But it's, it's all very friendly and uh, often very funny. I uh, listened yesterday to the podcast where you were talking about Jessica Jones. And I thought it was so funny when your friend Fergie just, like, kept accusing Rob of hating women. And he's like, no, 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 no. So, like, fun fact, Rob the, and Fergie are married. So, Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, hilarious. That makes it so much funnier. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um, how long have you been doing Marvelous Friends? We started right right when COVID kind of took off and we were all stuck at home. And so it, was, mm-hmm. it started off as kind of, hey, let's just do this for fun because we don't got nothing else to do. We stuck at home. And then it kind of evolved into, wow, we really have great chemistry. We're really, we really add something different to the Marvel fan space. Let's keep mm-hmm. going with it and be consistent. And it's starting to grow. You know, it's starting to take off and, and we're starting to gain more listeners. And, and I'm proud of it. I'm proud of what me and my friends have, have accomplished so far. And we want to let more people know about it, uh, including, you know, the podcast family. You know, if that's something yeah. they're interested in, check it out because, man, it's... I mean, it's just, it's, I'm just grateful to be just a part of something like this. It's really cool. Yeah, it's fun. The Podcastica family, since you've mentioned that, um, I haven't talked about it much on this podcast, but I want to let listeners know that there's a Patreon community uh, for Podcastica. And uh, if you donate to the Patreon, you get access to exclusive content and also a members only community that we have on Facebook. That's really fun to be a part of. Uh, there's a lot of people who, you know, share our love of superheroes and science fiction and other genre uh, shows. And we all talk back and forth. There's a bunch of different email threads going on. Rinaldi has been posting like a all time list of walking dead episodes, yeah, which are, are um, like my, really my fun. Rankings. You know, just like these, yeah. are, these are, if I could rank each one, these are, this is how it go. Yeah, it's been fun reading them. Uh, <laughs> and I'm sort of flabbergasted by the amount of content that you've written. I'm like, whoa, that's a lot of writing. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's, I mean, it's 10 years worth of episodes. Exactly. Or 12? It's 10, yeah. 10 to 12. And I mean, that, I was doing that while recording Marvelous Friends. So, like, we would record an episode of Marvelous Friends, and then afterward, I would just try to figure out which which one episodes do I like the most of Walking Dead and which ones do I like the least. And it was just a way to keep busy and stay sane during kind of the early parts of COVID. Yeah. 
Um, I'm excited about the end of the Walking Dead um, series. It's been really good so far, but this is not a Walking Dead podcast. This is a She-Hulk podcast. Right. So we're going to talk about the most Though recent episode of She-Hulk. There is some crossover, because one of the characters yeah. was on the Walking Dead, or a couple of them. Yeah. 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 Uh, Stephen Coulter was Reg. Yeah. And uh, Wrecker was, what was Tomas. his name? Andrew? Tomas. Tomas. Yeah. That's right. The other guy was Andrew. Um, yeah, I always get excited when I see my favorite Walking Dead actors in other things. Uh, I I got Paramount Plus just so I could watch uh, Sonequa Martin-Green in um, Star Trek Discovery. Oh, and sweet. she's great in it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love her. She's, she's so she's so good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so what did you think of this episode of She-Hulk, Ribbit and Rip It, just generally? Um... No, I really liked it. I really liked this episode. Um, I thought the last one was okay. It was... I didn't like it as much as you did, but um, but I thought it was okay. <laughs> but this eighth episode was, like, really great. You know, I enjoyed it a lot. There was a lot of humor that I really liked. Um, there were some good action sequences. And I liked the chemistry between Daredevil and She-Hulk. I thought it was good. And I was hoping yeah, me too. that they would get that part right because I think them being two lawyers who are extremely opinionated and have their own self-discovery journeys, I figured these two would kind of click, you know. Um, and so it was cool to see that. And it was just fun to see the little side characters just have their comedic moments, uh, especially yeah. Mallory Book. Like, please don't don't get rid of her. <laughs> Keep her on the show. Like, yeah, I feel like all the characters, even the parents have little funny moments. So overall, I like yeah. this episode. Yeah, I feel like the show, like this episode was the culmination of all the work they've been doing to set up everything all season. Mm-hmm. And this sh- this episode had it all. It was like, there's some romance, there's some action, there's some, you know, horrible misogyny, there's glamour, there's, yeah, there was just a lot going on. It's like all um, the elements coalesce. Yeah. 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 Really great. Uh, there was a lot of breaking of the fourth wall in this episode. I don't know if I caught all of them, but uh, we have a list and let's just go back and forth. Uh, the first one being when she says, previously on my show, when it introduces the previously on segment, which I really loved. I thought that was a cute touch. That was funny. It kind of, I like how it's very um, pointed and direct, the breaking of the fourth wall. Yeah. Because some shows, they kind of yeah. overdo it, but this one, it just, it gets it. It times it well. Yeah. Um, and then there was, a, I don't know if this was breaking the fourth wall or not, but um, she says, oh, shit, when Leapfrog says that his yep. suit was made by Luke Jacobson. And I couldn't tell if she was, like, talking to us. It, was it wasn't completely us. clear. Yeah. Well, she looked, so at, that was an she looked at us. I don't know if she was talking to us, but she she looked up at us and was like, oh, no, like. So, I don't know. It it could be ambivalent, ambiguous. Mm. Ambiguous, yeah. Oh, at the bar with Matt, we're all feeling this, right? It's not just me. And an eye roll about Todd's text. Yeah, that whole thing was, it was like, she didn't have Nikki. So, I guess we're Nikki. The audience is Nikki at this point. (laughs) Yeah. 
I'm fine with being Nikki. Nikki is fab. Yeah. Uh, when she's when she and Daredevil were uh, fighting Leapfrog, and Daredevil was off doing his thing, she said, "This guy's really kind of doing it for me." Oh yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, she he's different than he's really different than these other guys she was with. I mean, he's actually a superhero that's like. I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's almost like he's a superhero that kind of just like he just puts one pant leg on and puts the other pant leg on and it's like, all right, I gotta do this. Like it's not like yeah. Bruce. It felt very sanctimonious. It's like Jack, yeah. you need to be a hero. So, um, but I mean, another thing, it's like that kind of popped up was just like you guys are still here. You know, the end of the episode. Yeah. You know, just how usually there was there's some kind of like conclusion that's like bittersweet, I guess. But this time it was just, yeah, we're just going to go to the gala. It's like, really? There isn't like some, where's the bitterness? It's just all sweet. So I thought that was cool. That was a good one. Yeah. She's like, wait, we're doing the gala. That doesn't feel right. Is next episode the finale? Oh, Um, that was a really cute episode. And she said, or a cute moment. And she's like, this is the big twist, isn't it? The question is, is it the kind of twist that's like, there's another Hulk, but this one's red? Or I'm getting fridged. And that was just like directly playing with the audience who's been yeah. like guessing what was coming down the line. And I, I assume fridged means like killed or canceled or something. It, yeah, killed or like maimed. Grievously. Yeah. I always wanted to use that yeah. word, grievously. Um, grievously. <laughs> but I think... This timing of the whole meta fourth wall break was different. I don't think she's ever done it towards the end of an episode. Yeah. Like, or, I mean, there was one time where she said, like, the A plot meets the B plot, and that was kind of towards the end of an episode, but this was Yeah, and pronounced. also when she got served by the process server, and she's like, well, that's kind of a bummer ending. Yeah, she did. I, ho- I, get, I bet there's a fun tag. Um. Yeah. And this episode, she went out of her way to say that the episode had already come to a satisfying conclusion, um, yeah. which I is obviously talking about sex with Daredevil. Um, yeah, I think she that was she had a really good time. <laughs> yeah, she was. I guess she liked the 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 screenwriters with this episode as opposed yeah. to some of the earlier episodes. I, I'm surprised <laughs> she hasn't even mentioned the writers like directly, but. I don't know if yeah, she did that in the comics. I, I never read She-Hulk comics. She did. Okay. In the comics, she would call out the the writers and sometimes the editors. Um, she'd be like, in the John Byrne series, she'd be like, John, really? Like, right after I finished this other thing, you're throwing this at me? Like, she she would yeah. sort of challenge him and and criticize him it was really funny so i've been waiting for her to like call out jessica gow and be like jessica um yeah but i don't know maybe in the future uh maybe she hulk season two if we get one we might get one. Uh, we'll see but um yeah i i was worried when nikki popped out of the corner of the room that she was gonna attack she hulk like she had concealed some special <laughs> abilities like and yeah no, i'm not a normal paralegal i actually have like i'm actually enhanced or whatever because she's like jumping out 
and then says and then i forgot what she said but she held out like just cosmetic stuff I, i'm a i'm a yeah. s- stereotypical guy like cosmetic stuff but she yeah. just held that uh, out yeah she had all these she had these makeup brushes like between her fingers yeah. so she it looked like wolverine i was like oh that's like a little wolverine joke i thought it was um, like a wand like she's a, like a witch yeah because like i saw on TikTok, oh yeah my friend sent me this tiktok video about this theory that Nikki's a yeah. witch because she looked at the camera in one of the episodes. So. I I went back. Kirk was talking about that last weekend, last week, and I went back and watched that episode. Like, well, that moment a couple of times, and I don't think she was looking at the camera. I think she was just rolling her eyes, and like at one point in the roll, she goes past the camera. Yeah, um, and she was wearing just like stars. Those weren't pentagrams. Um, yeah, that makes sense. It's an interesting theory, though. I do want Nikki to have more depth to her. So if she were secretly powered, it would be interesting. But I, I don't think that they've revealed that yet. I, I thought that, like, they were going to use Nikki to highlight that misogyny and, like, the contributions of misogyny can come from women in certain instances. You know, yep. if, if they, like use the kind of messaging from it to tear another woman down to pull themselves up and because i thought about agatha and agatha kind of used the perceptions of wanda to get what she wanted from wanda so i was i was worried they were going to do that with nikki but thankfully that did not happen yeah oh agatha one of my favorite mcu characters (laughs) i love her so much yeah um katherine hahn is just brilliant um oh yeah that's true i have uh some of her music i um i can't wait for the agatha harkness show she gets her own show it's gonna oh, be you're so looking cool. forward to that one yeah i'm yeah. hesitant I don't um know. well i don't know i will see i'm not i'm not sure about it yeah at this point i really trust marvel like they rarely let me down that's good um yeah uh should we get into our our main discussion points yeah, I think we should. Uh, why don't you go first? Okay. Um, Jen just yeah. can't catch a break. You know, she can't catch a break. She is always in these very challenging, emotionally challenging and awkward situations. And this is like the most awkward and emotionally challenging situation that, like, man, I just, I want to give her a hug, really. Like, like if there was yeah. some way I could jump into the show and give her a hug because you know that video that intelligentsia you know hacked into the system and broadcasted was it was awful and it just kind of highlighted kind of in my notes i just highlighted how just what that means on a i guess a deeper Mm -hmm. level on a meta level um and like you know part one of just that point is you know intelligentsia they're offended that she hulk is like this public figure, you know, she's someone that's getting attention away from other heroes. You know, there's all these news stories on her. There's all these, um, discussion points on TV about her. She has these high profile cases and it's just, there's a lot of jealousy from a very vain standpoint. And it's funny because Mm -hmm. Titania was like that, but like, these intelligentsia people are doing this. They're feeling, they're like reacting the same way Titania is, but then they're trying to yeah. sound machismo and like macho 
but they're doing the same thing. And they're Titania. also they're they're way meaner than Titania. I mean, yeah, hacking her phone and then publishing it in front of a room full of her, you know, colleagues and family is cruel. And they called her a slut in that introduction. They're like, you know, we're here to tell you the truth about She-Hulk. And they accused her of stealing her powers from the real Hulk, um, which, you know, she didn't do. And it's just, it's like, it's like jealousy plus misogyny plus like cruelty um and yeah it's it's gross it's really gross but it's not that dissimilar from the way incels online react to any woman in power they hate women in power they just hate them yeah i mean they use i think these kind of perceptions of women being in sexual relationships as a like a, a bludgeon and it doesn't make sense because Daredevil, if you read the comics, like he's in a lot of sexual relationships and no one's like, oh, Daredevil, he's a he's a slut. Like no one's saying that about Daredevil. He's doing the same thing. You yeah. Know? I think at the end of the day, it's she's a grown woman, you know, and you have to respect people's choices, whatever they are. And but obviously yeah. intelligence is along those lines. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? No, no. I said, yeah, I mean, she's it's not like she's having sex with people that don't want to have sex with her. It's, you know, they're all consenting and um, adult, and uh, there was nothing, like, predatory about the way she had sex with that Josh guy. I mean, I just, that was I just uh, very above board. I just get frustrated by why they feel so threatened by her. Uh, unless, like, incels, is like, they're not having, she's not having sex with them. So they, they, yeah, that's probably what it is. Like, they, she's ignoring them, so they feel a certain kind of frustration and then on top of that, it's like, oh, you you weakened the Hulk. Like, you made the Hulk weak. Where is he? He's gone. You know, because yeah. we know he's off-world. Because in Endgame, he was this kind of celebrity. And he was very active in being a hero. And now in this series, he's not. So it's almost like she's getting blamed for that. Yeah. which it, it, And it has nothing to do with her, obviously. You know, he's on some other planetary mission um, that... Uh, Something about Sakar. We don't really know what he's up to. Nah, that, that, that's um, a that's a long game yeah. thing. But um, and I also wanted to add yeah. how Sam Wilson kind of went through. Well, Sam, I mean, I think what Jen went through is worse. But Sam Wilson also went through some kind of you know mistreatment and cruelty from hate groups. You know, in terms of yeah. race. You know, because he's taking on yeah. this role from Steve Rogers, and it's like. You're the reason Steve Rogers is gone and you're not fit to be Captain America. And I'm like, uh, Steve just wanted to be with Peggy. So that's that's his yeah, choice. He aged out. <laughs> um, it's like Menudo. Yeah. You don't fit the suit anymore. You can't be in Menudo. Uh, so yeah, like- Sam Wilson and the actor. He got a lot of crap like outside of the MC, you know, from people oh, in Anthony real life. Mackie, they were right? like, Anthony yeah, himself. Yeah. Yeah, did Tatiana um, Maslany get death threats? I haven't heard anything about that. I, I hope not. I haven't either. Um, I think there's more been online people complaining about the existence of a She-Hulk TV show. They're not so much targeting her as they are like, we shouldn't, like, female superheroes are not my cup of tea, so there shouldn't be any. Like, they just, there yeah. are people who just don't like 
there being female. And they think that somehow like having a show about She-Hulk means like less shows about men superheroes or something. But like there's tons of stuff about men out there. Like you guys are not short of content. This season's a daredevil. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So uh, people are overreacting. Yeah, Uh, there's yeah, there's Daredevil, there's Punisher, there's Luke Cage. And even to date in the MCU, right, we've had a Loki show. We had Falcon and Winter Soldier. We had um, Moon Knight. Like, there's been plenty of men. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And um, anyway, yeah, you're right. Jen can't catch a break. (laughs) I do want to add real quick. I did. uh, Hopefully I'm not going too long with this point. um, But no, go for it. uh, I did want to add that. You know, the, you know, and you mentioned this earlier in earlier episodes, but they tried the physical attack and it didn't work. So this is like the, the, the ultimate culmination of attack at the heart, you know, not the, the flesh, but yeah. the heart, you know, the soul of the person. And unfortunately, right. it worked to perfection. And it was more successful than Leapfrog's plan. You know, Leapfrog wanted to, out, you know, overpower She-Hulk because she didn't want to go along with his plan even though as any rational attorney would do is not go with leapfrog's plan so yeah so (laughs) it's like leapfrog's plan failed miserably just like their earlier plan with the the wrecking crew but this one it just like it hit it hit right below the belt it hurt her and it sent her into a rage that had you know, at the end of the episode, she's standing there with like those red laser sight things on her, like all those red dots. And she's like, you can tell she's having a hard time containing her rage. You know, she's like, like growling and like breathing really heavily. Like she's, she's really, really worked up. And I have in my notes, like, remember her Hulk physiology amps up her rage right when she starts feeling angry the hulk body is like anger yes and like goes with it so she was like and i think that i couldn't tell if the room was red or if she was seeing red but it was a really good metaphor either way that like she was so angry like everything she saw was just like red in that room after she attacked the screens um yeah i think it was like i uh yeah, I think it was the, like the alarm lighting, like somebody pulled the fire alarm or something when she attacked those screens. And I don't know why throwing the room into red light would make it safer, but uh, <laughs> that's what they did. <laughs> that's that's uh, my first point is my always first point, which is lawyer stuff. We didn't have a ton of lawyer stuff in this episode, but there was a little bit of a talk about conflict of interest and waivers of conflict of interest. And um, last week we had a specific question about conflict of interest. So I think people might be a little bit interested in it. The way it usually works at a law firm is um, the law firm gets, you know, a, a new client that wants them to take on their work. And then they do a conflicts check to make sure that there's nobody that they're already representing that would be in conflict with the new client. So, like, let's say that, you know, company A wants to sue company B and they go to, like, GLK and H and they're like, we want to sue company B and we heard you're great lawyers. GLK and H looks through their database and they're like, oh, we represented company B, but it was like seven years ago. 
and it was on an employment matter, and this is product liability, and so that would be okay, and they would take the case. But if they were currently representing company B, they would have to go to company B and say, company A wants us to sue you, you know, would you sign a waiver and let us take the case? Company B in that case would probably not sign the waiver because you don't want your lawyers to represent your opponents. In fact, what a lot of really big companies do is they send a little bit of work to like lots of different high level law firms so that all those law firms can't represent their opponents. So they create conflicts on purpose to make sure that like all the best law firms are on their team and then they can't, you know, represent against them. Um, Another way you get a conflict of interest is if the individual attorney has some kind of financial interest or family interest in either the opponent of the client or the client. And then what a law firm usually does is they call it, and this is probably racist, a Chinese firewall, um, which is basically like a virtual like barrier between that attorney and the case so that the conflict of interest doesn't affect the case, but that attorney is not allowed to like know anything about the case, be involved in the case. And if it's a big law firm, that's really easy to do. They're just like in a different area. Is, are these kind of ethics question? Well, I guess not questions, but situations, are they like enforced or is it a matter of the opposing counsel making sure that the ethics boxes are checked appropriately? Or is there some kind of larger body that's monitoring for these types of violations? There are, every state has some version of a bar association that oversees the ethics of all the attorneys that are licensed in that state. Okay. Why it's still state to state and not federal, I, I don't know. Um, but uh, it has to, it gets started by a complaint. Like they don't just like randomly go around looking for something to enforce, but anyone can, yeah, anyone can file a complaint. And a lot of times opposing counsel will, and they'll say, you know, um, and sometimes it comes up with judges. They'll be like, this judge can't hear this case because she owns stock in, you know, this client's company and uh, they have to recuse themselves. Or like if the judge is related to somebody who's in the case, they have to recuse themselves. So what if like a judge Uh, was like... He recently married um, Eugene Patillo's like second cousin or something. Then would Matt Murdock petition? Then, hey, married you married his second cousin last week, so recuse yourself. Yeah, probably. But there's also strategic considerations. Like you, you have to make a judgment call whether or not the judge is more likely to side with the other side because of the conflict. Like some lawyers are okay with the conflict. They're like, oh, I think it's all right. And some of them aren't. So it it's all like when it gets to that kind of thing, like second cousin marriage, it's like fuzzy and it's all subjective okay. and um, and you have to use good judgment. It has to be There's a whole reason. class. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's a whole class you have to take. Everybody who goes to law school has to take an ethics class. And you just go through these kind of scenarios like day after day and try to figure out like, is it a conflict or is it not? Is it an ethical violation or is it not? Um, I've, I have run into a couple of things in my career where I was like, oh, I can't work on that because I have a personal relationship with someone. Um, or one time, um, my brother worked for a client of the company of the firm and I had to, um, and I just asked to not work on that on that client. They were like, it's probably not a conflict. And I was like, but like, could I just not work on that client? And they were like, yeah, that's fine. 
because okay. um, it just it made me uncomfortable. I was really early in my career. I was like a second year attorney and I was like really nervous about the rules and everything. Oh, so I was like, I don't want to break a rule. Now I'm a little <laughs> bit more laid back. Yeah. <laughs> so wait, is that, so is that like the ethics class? Did they have this kind of like fire and brimstone, like follow these ethical principles? Follow them. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. But it was more like there's an ethics exam that every lawyer has to take in addition to the bar exam. And a lot of it was sort of teaching the test. Okay. Um, just like so that you could pass the ethics test. And a lot of the stuff that the ethics rules deal with, like you're so far away from that when you're a law student because it's things like if you're a judge, you can't take money from certain types of people. And I'm like, uh – if I ever become a judge, I'll just read these rules again. Like that's gonna like that's, that's gonna be twenty years from now. I'm not gonna remember this stuff. Uh, that was like what most of the exam was about. Um, yeah. It's too bad because I think ethics issues are really interesting, and I wanted the class to be deeper and and to really go into it. But it was more like, what would a you know bar association find find in this situation? And in terms of punishment, you get. The big punishment that they can dole out is um, disbarring you. And that means you can't practice law in that state anymore. And then once you get disbarred in one state, if you're admitted in other states, you have to disclose that. And then that's on your record. And like the next time somebody complains about you, it'll be even easier for you to get disbarred. Um, the other thing is if it's like rises to the level of fraud or something, there could be criminal charges or you could get sued for malpractice. Those are sort of the the stick Wait, um, so to enforce if you're those rules. Is that it? You can't. It's, it's, I think you can get readmitted. Um, oh, so you can't get after t- after a while. Like you have to sort of like repent and show remorse and all that stuff, and then reapply. And depending on how bad whatever you did was, you either get admitted or not. Um, or you can go try to practice in another state, take the bar exam again, or whatever. So was, was um, Holloway's, awful. <laughs> so was Holloway's reaction realistic to you as as a attorney? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Any like really big valuable client gets complete red carpet white glove treatment at a law firm. Like so, if it's funny because in the comics, uh, Eugene Patilio's father is like poor, and that's a big part of his character arc. I was reading up on him. And, uh, but apparently in this universe, in the MCU, he's wealthy and he's a really important client. So, you know, his loser, spoiled brat son gets, you know, the advantage of that extra special treatment. Um, yeah, I've seen that a lot, like a really valuable client, like the firm will take on like garbage work around the side of that client to like make them happy. Like, oh, my wife's, you know, jewelry business needs an attorney. Like, OK, um, <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay. just to yeah, just to keep them happy. Uh, I uh, I wanted to comment that Jen's suits look so much better now. Yeah. Her that boxy gray suit was horrible, but the new Luke Jacobson suits look fantastic on her. They're fitted really well. They look expensive. It's great. She really did um, look like an NFL player that yeah that was keeps getting a DUI. <laughs> like she really did. Yeah. Like I watch. I'm a huge sports fan, and so I yeah, just, I've seen that in real life. NFL players in court <laughs> looking like that. Yeah, like uncomfortable. This suit doesn't fit. Like yeah, it was pretty funny. That was a good comment. 
Mallory, uh, of course, always dressed impeccably. Um, Mallory and Nikki, goodness gracious. Just yeah. The, dressed to the nines. Yes. Yeah. And beautiful women. Yeah. And Pug is no slouch either. No, he is quite handsome. He has sort of mesmer eyes. Like, yeah. he, his eyes are a really light color, and it makes you want to, like, really look into them. Um, yeah. It's no surprise. Everybody on the show is good looking. It's Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, the only other lawyer concept that was really talked about was one for them, one for us. Um, Matt Murdock brought that up at the bar. And uh, it's a concept that a lot of lawyers start in the field with is like, oh, I'm going to do a ton of pro bono work and I'm just going to use corporate clients to, you know, pay my way. But I'll do all this pro bono work. The truth is when you work at a law firm, especially when you're a junior attorney, you're working from like 9 a.m. to 11 p.m. every day. You do not have time for pro bono work, volunteering, dinner, washing your clothes. Like it, your life becomes just about the office and you're just at the office all the time. You eat two or three meals a day in the office. You, um, you get your dry cleaning delivered to the office you know, they bring in massage therapists to the office, like anything to get you to stay and churn out more billable hours. Oh. And then that profit goes to the partners from the billable hours? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dang. That's a rough um, man. Jen, Jen just needs a... Can she go back to that retreat? Because, like, this profession yeah. is cutthroat. This legal it's brutal. Yeah. It really is. Especially when you're junior. Like, when you're lower on the, on the you know, ladder of lawyerdom... Uh, you get pushed around and and uh, bossed around a lot, and oh. it, it's it's unpleasant and yelled at. There's a lot of partners who think it's okay to just like yell at you. I mean, there's just oh, really bad wow, behavior in the legal. Yeah, it's, ugh, I hated it. Oh, <laughs> All right, enough of lawyer stuff. Yes, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm like like yeah. Greg. I'm like a nerd when it comes to this. I always like yeah. to ask questions, so hopefully we did not yeah. bore our listeners. Yeah. Sorry, listeners. Uh, we'll talk about more Marvel stuff now. What's your next uh, discussion point, Rinaldi? Uh, so my next discussion point is a very Marvel-y discussion point. It's the appearance of Daredevil in a, in a phase four of the MCU. Uh, we've had Matt Murdock in Spider-Man No Way Home, but that was it. We didn't have his alter ego. So now we have not only Matt Murdock, in She-Hulk, but we also have his alter ego, Daredevil. Um, and it was not empty fan service. So this was, no. uh, he was really weaved into the story as a an element of Jen's, um, I guess, current legal situation. And I thought yeah. it was incredibly interesting just seeing their chemistry, seeing how they, they're working together. But but it, it, it starts with them being, you know, having animosity but then it eventually leads yeah. to working together. So it was cool that this whole thing was a journey that started with them as opposing attorneys, then opposing superheroes, and then superheroes working together. And then yeah. attorneys kind of having a meeting of the minds at a at the legal ease. So I thought that whole journey was really cool. Oh, and then I two, really two lovers well. having yeah. a... yeah. <laughs> uh, romantic uh, meeting of the, the heart, I guess, and then the walk of shame in the Daredevil classroom mm. because he's in LA. He, he in New York. He can't like, catch a train. So. Yeah. 
I loved the walk of shame moment. I thought it was such a funny flip of the concept of the walk of shame. For listeners, if you don't know what the walk of shame refers to, um, it's generally refers to a woman coming home from having sex with somebody in like her cocktail dress and high heels from the night before. And it's early in the morning and her makeup is smudged and she's usually carrying her shoes in the cliche. And because high heels hurt and you want to take them off the next day. And um, it's a concept that's been used like so much when applied to women and it's hardly ever applied to men. And to see it applied to to not just any man, but Daredevil was so delightful. And that he was carrying his boots and walking barefoot just killed me. I, it was such a beautiful little detail. Yeah, and I think like it kind of fit that he went to her house. She didn't go to his house, you know. And maybe yeah. that's a very pragmatic and <laughs> way to look at it, uh, you know. But my apologies if I am being too pragmatic <laughs> about it. But I mean that—that's what it is, you know. He's and he's in her city. She's not in his city. So it's almost like he's because of the position that he's in due to the situation. He's adopting something that women have had to deal with with a normal amount of rage you know thinking about episode one where jen yeah. said that to bruce you know it's like he has to take on that role and he's just kind of sheepish about it you know yeah he did yeah. have his head down um but i mean his helmet was on so it's not like his identity was out there uh i did enjoy that this version of daredevil was a little more devil may care and lighthearted than the, the daredevil TV show version. Um, I've heard from a few people that they think that the Matt Murdock in this universe is a variant and that the daredevil TV show is like a different earth. Um, So this Matt Murdock is literally (laughs) different, but uh, I I mean, that's just a theory. I think it's just a situation. I mean, he's dealing with fraud. (laughs) He ain't dealing with like a serious criminal. (laughs) That's threatening yeah. his loved ones, you know. I think, I think yeah. even in Phase Four, if Daredevil was confronting someone that threatened someone he cared about, or even threatened Jen, he would be more serious and, you know, angry and whatever. But, but you know, I, we'll see. This, he's just brought, was brought in to to Marvel um, Disney mm-hmm. Plus, so we'll see what the final word is on that. Yeah, I'm really hoping they'll bring in the rest of those characters. Um, Jessica Jones, who I adore, and Luke Cage, and um, maybe even Punisher. Although I never watched that show. It was just a little too dark for me. Yeah. I What I uh, did like about Punisher was they, they did explore his emotional side. It wasn't just him cutting people's throats out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but... Yeah, I, I want to see those people too. Um, I don't know if they'll recast Iron Fist. I know the actor that played him. People, a lot of people didn't like him. I, I, I feel like I know he doesn't get mentioned a lot, but there are some mm-hmm. Power Man and Iron Fist comics. It would just be cool to just you know bring that to the bring that partnership to the to Disney Plus as well. But yeah, um, I think the the issue with that show was the writing and not the acting yeah um they get they have bad writers um but um season two they got a different writing team it was season two was much better um oh maybe i'll watch season two 
yeah, you should. It's better. Well, maybe that's not saying much because season one isn't good. But hopefully, I think with the right writers, that's what I think. I'm thinking that they got to get the right writers for that character and it'll it'll succeed. But um, yeah. no, I think they should bring them all in and maybe in Daredevil Born Again, they might make cameos. You know, maybe those characters yeah. will cameo. And, and I hope they just kind of, we get to know his past, you know, or we re-examine it because I think it it's a good way to connect with this character because he's you know he's been through a lot so yeah I really enjoyed the scene in the bar in the legal ease because he was sort of subtly mentoring her about becoming a superhero but in a much gentler way than Bruce did as you said Bruce was like you need to help the earth you know You have the power. What else are you going to do? But he was like, he gave her her motto. In the comics, this is sort of her motto, which is Jen Walters can help people when society fails them. And She-Hulk, or can help people with the law when society fails them. And She-Hulk can help people when the law fails them. And it, it really sparked something in her. And it made me think that superheroes need a buddy system. Mm-hmm. Uh, like every new superhero should get an older superhero to help them, kind of like Jedi's and Padawan learners, like yeah. just like a you know an apprentice superhero to follow around the master superhero for a while and learn the ropes. Um, that I would be definitely helpful. agree with that because it would just make it would just maximize the impact that that each individual superhero can make, you know, and avoid yeah. a lot of unforced errors like errors that you did not need to make <laughs> like yeah. um <laughs> yeah but like on that note it was weird because daredevil's motto from at least the marvel netflix series was matt murdoch steps in when the law fault fails to help people daredevil steps in when where the law steps off okay no, picks up. Dang it. Picks up. Okay. <laughs> Matt Murdock picks up where the law falls short. And then Daredevil picks up where the law with a with a with a dang it. It's something <laughs> to that effect. Ah, gosh dang it. I, maybe maybe in notes I'll get it right when we get to notes. But it's something yeah. basically along the lines of Matt Murdock stepping in when people need the law and then daredevil stepping in when the law can't do anything that's essentially what it is and so it is kind of funny that his model is very similar to hers there's a a slight variation they have a lot of parallels just because they're both superheroes and lawyers he's just much further along in the journey than she is exactly she's only just now starting to own her she-hulkness Right. This was the first time she said She Hulk Smash. Like she, yeah. And she was having fun being She Hulk in her like new awesome super suit, um, for the first time. Like before this, she's always done it sort of like grudgingly. And this time, when she got that call from Leapfrog and decided to go help him, she sort of got like a smile on her face about it. Like, oh, it's a chance to be She Hulk and do something and you know and she paused and went back for the super suit because she's like i'm being a superhero now uh it was very satisfying for me yeah i think it's because i think part of it was because he's a client so it's like i can help my client as jen walters and she Hulk. so it's like it's almost like it 
like a perfect fit for this type of, I guess, new approach. Yeah, until she finds out that Leapfrog is actually the villain in this situation. (laughs) Yeah, that's that was really funny. Uh, But like, it's crazy to think because Daredevil season one, Matt was a mess, man. I'm like, I feel like anybody who's you know. Like, people should listen to Marvelous Friends, The People versus Rinaldi. That's the title of mm. one of our episodes because I criticize season one Matt Murdock very harshly because I feel like he made more mistakes than Jen. But yeah. kind of like the meta commentary of this show, like, he got a pass. Like, he got a pass. But yeah. Jen, it's like, oh, this is what happens when women get powers and. Ah, uh, like this and that, and I'm like, Matt did far worse <laughs> when he yeah. started off, and did not have a mentor, and, 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 or, and no, and had a, a friend, people in his life that were wanting to give him advice, and he didn't take it. Yeah, but at least Jen is willing to kind of open her mind to, oh, wait, let me see what if the, this daredevil approach will work. Yeah, she is very open to new ideas. Um, when people give them to her, it always, she has like a moment of resistance and then she's like, actually, like she sort of takes it in and thinks about it. Look how, how much she opened up at that retreat. She really took on what they were all saying to her and incorporated it into herself. It's, uh, it's very in- inspiring in a way because people get stuck in their own ways and don't want to change. And sometimes you need to. She has to get stuck though. Before before she gets stuck in situations, she's like very opinionated. But when, when yeah. she's like, okay, like I literally can't get a text message from Josh. All right, maybe maybe I should go to this meeting that <laughs> Emil is hosting because I ain't got yeah. no bars on my phone. <laughs> um, they had great chemistry, the two of them, Daredevil and She Hulk, Jen and Matt. Um, and very quippy banter, which I really enjoyed. I know you have a couple of great lines, but uh, my favorite was "My ass remains unwhooped." Yeah, um, that was funny. <laughs> that was a really good one, and she was like clearly put out by it. Um, the whole thing was very cute. I also loved. It's very daring to use ketchup and mustard as your color scheme. Oh uh, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, because I don't like the gold helmet. No, I, I think it looks weird. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like it's a reference to like his earlier costume in the comics, but yeah. that was like neon yellow and red. Yeah, even neon yellow and like a reddish brown. I was like, ugh. ugh. Yeah. At least they tried okay. to make it look better because it, it, it's gold. Gold is better than neon yellow, and it yeah. was like a dark red instead of like this reddish brown junk. <laughs> they tried. Yeah. They tried to make it better. <laughs> Um, well, Daredevil's blind. He didn't even know what colors they are anyway. It's like, as long as it protects him from, you know, physical punishment, he's, he don't care. Yeah. Yeah, he even made a crack about that, like criticizing a blind man's clothes that's low. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Uh, and then he's like, I am wearing pants, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Or the in the court, in the courtroom, he was like... Yeah, I got lost trying to find the parking lot. And I wonder if people looked up, like, did he drive himself? And No, 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 my driver got lost. It's okay, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although I, he could probably drive with his, like, daredevil abilities. 
Um, is he considered yeah, he could. a he could. power? I don't know if he could do it well. I don't know if he could do it well, but he could. He could do it. Yeah. Yeah. Is he considered a powered person? Like, yeah, is he- his you know smellovision, echolocation, whatnot? Is that just human adaptation to being blind, or is it meant to be understood as like some kind of supernatural, like extra power? No, it's an actual power. Like, cause okay. in the Netflix series, he can hear up to like five, six miles away, and I don't think any blind person that's practicing their their hearing can accomplish that because that's that's a that's a long five miles away is serious long and then smelling things from like across the room or multiple floors in an apartment building you can you can smell cheap cologne I'm like what how do you do that yeah. <laughs> um i don't think their dogs could could dogs do that smell cheap cologne from like five floors down in an apartment building pro- I don't know. Maybe bloodhounds. Yeah, probably bloodhounds. So he's basically a bloodhound, but a human. I mean, like, they have those cadaver dogs, right, that they they use to try to find um, bodies that are buried, either, like, in concrete or rubble or even just under the ground. The dogs can somehow smell that there's a body yeah. and they just, like, they're trained. They just go lie in that spot and then directly underneath them, the law, law enforcement finds a body. It's really amazing what they can do. Actually, Daredevil did that. It was a frozen body. And he, he was able to smell it and find it. Um, Impressive. Yeah, someone that it was a murder victim, obviously. Um, but, uh, da, da, da. yeah, the, the funny thing about the whole joke, because I think he was like, yeah, I just hear really good. Because mm-hmm. Jennifer was kind of confused by his original explanation of his powers. And he's just like, yeah, I just hear really good. Yeah, And I just feel like that was kind of a dig at, like, diehard daredevil fans that kind of like because he's such a popular character they're just like yeah he's so cool he can do all these things and and i'm like well he is a cool character i like him a lot but he, he just he just hear and smell really good you know, he just <laughs> you know yeah. it's almost like a, we it's almost like we're seeing it from jen's point of view and even some fans in the marvel community that maybe like i know a lot of jessica jones fans that don't really care for daredevil you know so i think it's a we it's kind of a fun way to look at Daredevil through different eyes, as opposed to yeah. the typical Marvel fans that are big fans of Matt Murdock and Daredevil. Especially when Jem kept looking at the camera. She kept looking at yeah. like, who is this guy? <laughs> like, And it's like, I'm like, as a fanboy, like, oh my gosh, it's Daredevil. She's just like, ah, oh, this guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, she asked him at one point if his name is the Gold Devil. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. He had... They had, yeah, they just had great chemistry. And the, the fighting scenes were really fun. I loved that her Hulk clap was the thing that did him in because, of course, the vibrations in the air, like, overwhelmed his hearing yeah. system. Exactly. And I kind of wish that when they talked right after that, that he had been yelling a little bit. You know, the way that you do when oh, your yeah. hearing is blocked. <laughs> that would have made so much sense. I wish they had done that. That would have been really That'd funny. Be cool. Yeah. The, the weird Missed thing about that whole thing, because I think this is my last point for this point. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of weird. My last point for this point. Um, the weird thing about that whole thing was like, I feel like I, I'm worried there's going to be some fans out there that are going to be like, oh my gosh, how did Daredevil lose this fight? He's so cool. Why did he lose? And I think they did a good job of highlighting 
what you just pointed out. And so, I don't know. It just feels like She-Hulk is being blamed for, like, some of these male heroes, you know, they're in situations where there's, you know, we're exploring different sides of them. Mm -hmm. You know, and some people view that as weak, you know, weakness. And and I think it's different than criticizing maybe the writing. Like, because I feel a certain type of way about some of the writing for these male characters. Like, yeah, I wish these mm -hmm. male characters were written better, but but that criticism is not should not be blamed at She-Hulk, the character. Like, you know, that should be... Yeah, yeah. Should be, I should be blaming Kevin Feige because he's the head of Marvel Studios, you know. And ironically, he's a white man. You know, is why are we blaming yeah. women for this? Like, we, we should blame the appropriate... Like, and it's the same thing with Daredevil and She-Hulk. Like, they're at odds with one another, but then they realize the source of their acrimony is this privileged white man called leapfrog like he's the culprit is not yeah she he's the problem <laughs> he's the problem <laughs> so i thought that was clever cool. by jessica gow to kind of put all that together yeah um let's talk about leapfrog uh that was one of my points anyway so let's just go there and yeah, talk about was, him a little bit um, point. that was my third point yeah. too <laughs> um i this show has done a, a good job of showing a theme about like rich people just have all these privileges right like there's just it's a different world when you're rich right there's that todd guy um he's apparently got a lot of money and we don't really know how he has his money i assume it's like tech but who knows um and uh Maybe he built like eugene might have built an yeah house. something like that um he's a real tool uh, I thought the the him referring to the lily pad as his famous hideout was hilarious. Like you don't want a hideout that's famous, you dummy. He said um, famous secret a, hideout. How do you have a famous yeah. secret hideout? That don't make no. And then he has those giant neon letters. Like it says the lily pad on the roof. Like he's just an idiot. Um, and you know, I am kind of curious to know how he got Luke to make him a super suit in the first place because Luke is apparently very picky about clients and I have trouble believing that he would have met this guy and been like oh yeah I'll make you a suit like Eugene Patilio is a dumbass maybe um, uh, I thought he, Luke was picky he buttered up Luke maybe he buttered him up saying man you're like one yeah. of the greatest creative minds in the world and I'd be honest. Yeah, or just threw a lot suit. of money at him. Just like so much money. I don't know if Luke cared about money. He got an ego. If you if you show yeah. his ego, that's that's my theory, but maybe it could be money. He, yeah. he has a business to run, so maybe he paid him extra. But I don't know. If, to me, yeah. it just seemed like he stroked his ego. I think he said, you're the greatest fashion mind in history. And he, <laughs> Luke was just like, well, you know, that that is plausible. That is true. What, what, what can I do for you, young man? I love a super suit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would love a super suit. Um, but of course, he he couldn't use it accurately and blew himself up. And what an idiot. Um, I'm hoping that they that make him pay for. Fuel? Yeah. Yeah. What an idiot. Um. Wait, you're saying you're hoping he can pay? Sorry. I, 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 oh, I'm hoping, you know, 
so they did, uh, Jen did a lot of damage in this episode, right? There was like, she destroyed cars and the parking garage and that building where the lily pad was. And I'm just hoping that like all that somehow ends up getting billed to the Patilio family and yeah, not I think, Jen. I think they, I think they got billed. <laughs> I definitely. <laughs> um, I enjoy his, um, his tagline, ribbit and rip it. It's hilarious. <laughs> And that he yelled at one point, no shame in retreat. <laughs> and just oh like took gosh. off. He's just a, he's a coward. He's a dork. You know, he has paid friends. He called those henchmen his friends, but they're, they all work for his dad. They don't even like him. Well, they're not, they don't want to be called tadpoles. Yeah. They're goons. Oh, they're goons. That's right. They're henchmen goons. would have and embraced Jen, his vision. That's right. They just want Jen called them hench goons. Hench goons. <laughs> She split them. She's like, all right, fine. I'll compromise. Hench goons. It's like, no, hench goons. They're goons. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, they did a good job sort of showing like different types of wealthy, like child men, right? There's Eugene and then there's Todd with his whole like, you know, buying stolen artifacts and, oh, I have the paperwork. Um, I don't know if you watch uh, the John Oliver, the uh, last week tonight show on HBO. But he just did a whole episode about stolen art in sort of Western museums and the history of how especially the British and pretty much all the colonial um, countries, Spain, France, Portugal, the UK, um, have just like gone all over the world, like stealing art from other countries and it's blatant that they have this stolen art and they're like, Oh no, we have to keep it. We're, we're safeguarding it for the people of that country. Like they have all these like bogus reasons why they have to keep the art. And um, I was just thinking about that. They also, this was also a thing that came up in black Panther, right? Killmonger um, takes back the Wakandan, um, whatever it was, weapon from that museum. And he, well, yeah. And he like calls them out on it. The woman said it was from, um, I forget which African nation it was from, but I think it was, she said it was from Tanzania. And then he was like, no, this is Wakanda. And she's like, pardon yeah. me? And it's like, no, this is Wakanda. You stole it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the British Museum should do a series of exhibits of just stolen art. They should show it in the museum and then ship it home and they should just yeah. do it with like every like category of stolen art they have um i think it yeah. would be like the best way to restore those things they could have one last hurrah in great britain and then the art could go home and people would would be happy um but that'll never happen i'm not in charge of the world uh I was very curious that Todd said he did a junior year abroad or study abroad in Wakanda. I was like, wasn't Wakanda hidden and closed? Like, I don't believe that Todd How did study Todd? abroad there. He looks 30-ish. So yeah, he's probably just lying because he yeah. would have been, he would have been roughly my age. And nah. Yeah. Nah, Wakanda was closed off. At, nah. He, he's just lying. Yeah. And then he does the <laughs> Wakanda forever and she's like, that makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. I was like, don't like, dude, no, no. And he says the most disrespectful thing ever. He says, nobody's collecting African shit like me. I'm like, oh, I hate you. I hate you so much. 
I might have struck him in the face as a, as a black yeah. man. I don't know. Maybe. I had really enjoyed her response to him, which was just like, no. And she just like shoves the table and, and she's out of there. <laughs> she ran away. She was like, no. Like, I don't know. I'm the, billing the you for the whole hour. Yeah. The humor in this show has been inconsistent for me, but in this episode, it was working. Like every single scene, it was, including that one. Her just yeah. running off. The she restaurant they met at. The restaurant they met at was called Hoof and Fleur. And I was like, oh, that just sounds horrible. Like, is it like, like hoof makes me think horse, even though I know that other yeah. animals have hooves. I'm like, are they going to serve them horse meat? Like, what? Ooh. I don't, I don't know. know. It, Some it weird just seemed gross. food for super rich people, I guess, maybe. Yeah. Maybe I it's one know. of those places. I mean, Todd's clearly a super rich. Yeah. I mean, he, he dropped a mill. And then he kept saying it, a mill, a mill, a mill. Um, I once went on a date with a guy who uh, tried to impress me by ordering expensive wine. And he did it by asking the waitress, like, oh, what wine do you have that's around the $200 mark? And I was so grossed out by it that I I called him Tom 200 for like the next two years and told the story often. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) It was really tacky. Um, yeah. Just so tacky. Uh, he was awful in other ways as well. So that's why that didn't work out. <laughs> I made the pug face. Yeah. I'll oh, get to that I in my pug. notes. But yeah, yeah, he made an awkward face in response to some awkward dialogue by a yeah. misogynistic man. Um, yeah. So the only other big point I have is just to talk about the gala. Uh, how about you? No, nah, you got you got um, leapfrog. That was my third point, but yeah. I did have some quotes from. Oh yeah, let's do those. Yeah. Um, so, because I liked, because I feel like the whole thing with leapfrog was connected to Luke because Jen didn't want to lose access to Luke's uh, fashion brilliance, as Luke would say. Yep. And he had some really funny lines uh, to Jen as Jen was trying to navigate this whole situation with Leapfrog and still get really nice clothes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, you know, I do not make suits that malfunction. Like, he yeah. emphasized malfunction as if, like, that word has no place in his business. Like, malfunction is not even, like, it, it almost felt like he was grossed out saying that word. Um Yeah. Then he was like, goodbye, tragedy. And then as Jen was struggling with the door and then the, in court after Leapfrog basically sabotaged her, Jen's entire case by being an idiot. Jen's like, Luke, like, like she's like a little kid trying to beg for toys on Christmas. She's like, Luke. And then Luke is like, yes, clown. Like, <laughs> and then she's like, come on, can I be a client again? And he's like, Jen. Jenny, Jennifer, no, no, I hate you now. Like, and he just walks off. Like, it was just pretty <laughs> funny. He is excessively mean, but I, I do think that that's a, a fair parody of fashion people. Yeah, there's a lot of meanness. Like, he's like try not to get bloated to her. It was like just unnecessarily mean. <laughs> I still think it's funny. I feel like he's he's he was good in this episode. I feel like his other appearances, it was kind of flat because it felt like yeah. you kept thinking about Edna Mode, like 
and say yeah. it's like in my head i'm like i know edna mode i've known her <laughs> since i was a kid when incredibles came out i was in middle school i even thought about dressing up as edna mode for halloween awesome luke you are no edna mode <laughs> like that's what i kept thinking and but at least it's in this true. episode he was back yeah for me he was funny in this episode whereas before i was like uh, he's kind of a tired cliche, but in this episode he delivered. Uh, he had good lines and and good timing. Um, and uh, her super suit looks awesome. So you know, yeah, that's pretty good. It's better good than Sam Wilson's suit. He he got he mean he need to go, he need to find Luke. Sam, yeah. go go get Luke. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Luke and Shuri should collaborate. Oh, that would be amazing. She has great taste. Her fashion is Wait, awesome. Wait, did Sherry all the time. make that suit? Did she? Because well, he said he got it from Wakanda. So who made? Yeah. <laughs> Which I assume. I assume it was Shuri or somebody working with Shuri. Right? She's sure. in charge of technology for that com- for that country. Yeah, Shuri needed to find Luke. I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, so the gala. Or oh, do you have more quotes? No, that's it. I'm done. Yeah, all my, all my points are done. Um, so the gala had some, some great moments, like her parents being there was really cute. Her mother thinking she was going to get cold was hilarious. Um, the MC tells an incredibly awful joke about female lawyers. And he says they're educated, accomplished, beautiful, and doing everything regular lawyers do except backwards and in high heels. Which is an old joke about Ginger Rogers and how she's just as talented of a dancer as Fred Astaire, except she had to do it backwards and in high heels. And saying that about women lawyers, like, I know he thought he was being clever, but it was just kind of offensive. Um, and being asked, what's it like being a female lawyer is the worst. Every woman lawyer I know has gone through something like that. We've all been called lady lawyers, girl lawyers, um, or like, oh, are you the secretary? And it's like, no. I had one guy I was negotiating against ask me if I was new and because uh, he just didn't like what I was saying. And I said, do you mean girl? And all of my coworkers who were on the phone just started cracking up. They're like, I can't believe you said that. They're all like sending me chats, you know, like, I can't believe you just said that to that guy. He's such a tool. Like they were all like supportive. But yeah, I got a lot of, oh, you sound too pretty to be a lawyer, like on the phone. And I'd be like, oh, wow. Like, shut up. Like, it's so irritating. See, I feel like my my eyes are being opened. (laughs) Yeah. And it happens so often that like, I don't even always register it. I'm like, misogyny next. Like, I just sort of. Okay. And, and when we get together, like other professional women have such similar stories that I'm like, this is everywhere, right? Like yeah. lady doctor and, you know, lady lawyer and uh, lady accountant, like, oh, you're too pretty to do math. Like all that kind of garbage is, see, it just happens all the time. It's like noise. See, I'm a sports fan. So mm-hmm. there was um, a player who was being interviewed by a female reporter in the locker room. Which I always like. I feel I don't know. I it's it's kind of awkward. Like like if you're, because some female reporters have been like, yeah, I'm in the locker room. There's this guy just in a towel. Yeah, and that's already awkward. And then you're not taking me seriously as a journalist. It's like, what the heck? 
But in this particular instance, the player was like, you know, why are you asking me these types of questions? Like, you keep asking me, like, about strategy. Like, why do you want to know about routes? Why do you want to know about the plays? Like, she's like, because that's substantive sports journalism. Yeah, she's like, <laughs> um, the fans want to know about that stuff because they think, you know, they're con- they, they think it's a a key to helping the team win. So I need to ask those questions and. He's like, okay, I never. I mean, I don't. Th- I don't think women should be asking about plays and routes. And it was like, yeah, it was pretty bad. It was actually no, it was very bad. It was very bad, and it was like a whole thing. And then he kind of gave a half-hearted apology because his agent was like, we really apologize. Yeah, <laughs> so it's that just is like not okay. dealing with that, you know, in in the sports world. You know, that's that's another. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, women sports fans get a lot of like, oh, are you here because your boyfriend likes the team? Like they get a lot of disrespect that they're not real sports fans. It's like the same thing that happens to female gamers or female fans of like superhero movies. You get this like, oh, but you don't really know about comic books because you're a girl thing. Or you're Um, here because Chris Hemsworth is shirtless. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's a nice bonus. But it's not well, why I, mean, I go to I mean, the four I mean, movies. Main reason, main reason. Obviously, yeah, if yeah. <laughs> women find Chris Hemsworth attractive, that's fine. I'm just saying, yeah, you don't know anything about Thor. You're just here because, yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's offensive and annoying. Um, I was asked one time if I was looking at a particular college because I uh, was hoping to find a good husband. And Wait, I really? just turned around and walked out of the interview. Yeah. Um, and I think he thought he was joking. Like, he was like, oh, you know, because it's a, it's a joke that you hear sometimes. Like, oh, girls just go to college like to a, get their MRS degree. Yeah, well, I heard it in the 90s. <laughs> um, not that long ago. Yeah. Um, and there's this, yeah, people say like, oh, that's where you go to get your MRS degree. Like, you know, you find a good husband and then, you know. It's it's very offensive. Um, I did not go to that college, even though my it was a family school that lots of my family go to. I was like, nope, mm-mm, nope. Nice. I'm not putting up with that garbage. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, Intelligentsia takes the credit for the interruption. Right? They introduce themselves and say that it's them. There's the big logo of the Hulk King on on the screen behind her, yeah. um, and they showed on the screen clearly stuff they copied from her phone all of her matcher matches i thought this was hilarious numerous photos of captain america's butt just many of them because we know she's a fan of oh, captain oh, america right. yeah 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 I mean, it makes sense uh, too. i mean chris yeah. is very attractive that makes sense. yeah um bank information there was a cable bill a bunch of her texts with different people photos of herself and of course the sex tape that josh made she got um, doxxed, you know, and that, that yeah. happens to a lot of women, like, especially in, like, you know, sports, gaming, sci-fi, mm-hmm. science fiction communities where it's like, you don't belong here. Yeah, yeah. it happens to uh, uh, gamer girls all the time. There's, like, they just get death threats and stuff for having the nerve to, like, like game video games. Uh, I was wondering if the whole gala was a setup to get her there or if it was just an opportunity that intelligentsia took advantage of. I don't know if it matters one way or the I think other. Intelligentsia runs deep. 
I, I think this is like real life extremist groups where you, you know, I'm thinking about January 6th, you know, and I don't mean to get yeah. too political, but there's, there are people, you know, being prosecuted for their participation in that event. And they're like, you know, successful real estate agents and yeah. attorneys and profess college professors. And you're like, whoa, like this, this movement is in different parts of our society. And I wonder if intelligentsia is the same way. Like, are they respectable? Like, as one of the partners of GLA, K and H, one of the partners a part of intelligentsia, like, you know. Right. Don't know. We don't know. Yeah. Politicians. Paranoid. Yeah. Um, and it's. It's a very close analogy to exactly to like what's like the Proud Boys or whatever, like these groups in our country, you know, in real life that are fomenting hate and hate women. And um, I thought it was really interesting how she gets really angry and everybody gets really afraid. It's like they all of a sudden were like, oh, right. She's a Hulk. Like, she's not tame. She's not like, you know, some like watered down version of hulk just because she's a woman she's strong and a little bit scary when she's angry um although way less destructive than hulk in his heyday right like i mean the hulk killed people yeah she was was under control it was by accident but still yeah people died yeah i mean she had enough of her uh, control over herself when she grabbed that one masked intelligentsia guy and people were like jen don't do it don't do it and she put him down and let him go um well, she could have easily killed him i thought at first that might be josh but i went back and looked really carefully and he definitely wasn't josh he looked okay. more like todd um he had like oh, slightly wavy so longer hair yeah i mean i'm not that sure it's todd sense. but he looked like he could be todd he definitely wasn't josh like he had the wrong hair and the wrong eyes to be josh yeah, she was really angry. And I think it's the first time the public has seen that anger. It's a throwback to there's a comic book storyline where she loses her temper and um, somebody like does something to her that makes her lose her ability to control she helps anger like she it's like magic or, you know, drugs or something. And she yeah. goes completely crazy and she she destroys a lot of stuff and kills people. And then the comic book story picks up with her like once she's been healed from whatever it was that did that to her, like trying to like reintegrate her identity and, you know, come to terms with what happened and her guilt. And it's, it's a, it's a deep story for She-Hulk, which is usually a pretty like silly comic book. Um, But it's, it's similar things that Hulk has had to deal with, right? Like the guilt that he has after he's hurt people and, killed people um she thought that she had it all under control and then somebody takes the control away from her and it scared the hell out of her it's a great i'm all the she hulk comics i never was a reader until uh i decided to do this podcast and now i'm like a huge Uh, fan i've been loving her comics they're great that's good i tried them and still couldn't get into (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, but i think kirk said it last episode you know Mm -hmm. comics is a place where there's something for everyone you know yeah so. Yeah, it's true. And there's so much out there. You don't have to like everything. Just go find another thing. Yeah, no. Nah, Intelligentsia, you don't have to like every Marvel hero. You just find a different hero. You could you yeah. can admire Daredevil's gold suit. Just do that. 
it's not like one in, one out. It's not like, oh, there's a She-Hulk TV show. We're erasing Captain America movies. Like, that's not how it works. Like, you still have Iron Man and Captain America and Thor. Like, they're still out there. Yeah, I mean, you said Captain Marvel was boring, so it's not like we're saying don't criticize movies you don't like. It's just don't go from that to, oh, that means all these other movies won't exist. It's like, no, it's not. It's not the Thanos thing. Yeah. Marvel's going to focus on everybody. (laughs) Um, Which is like the point of Marvel is inclusiveness, right? Like, there's so many times that Marvel Comics have this theme of, like, the big tent, right? Like, er there's room for all kinds of people here. Like, mutants, we don't care. Aliens, it's fine. Bring it on. And then for fans to be like, no, only white men is just ridiculous. (laughs) It's like you missed the entire point. (laughs) I wonder if the Deadpool Wolverine news was for them to calm the intelligentsia sympathizers down. Yeah, I'm seriously. pretty sure there's sympathizers, people that aren't involved with their plans, but they kind of like, ah, maybe they had the right idea, you know? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. And then Kevin is like, hey, guys, Deadpool, what reads happening, all right? Now, don't don't ally yourself with these people. Relax. Yeah, Resolve seriously. Deadpool, what <laughs> uh, I only have one more note. Um, what else do you have? Um... Oh, shoot. I have a list of things about Leapfrog that makes fun of, um, makes fun of, like, kind of the, kind of the silly aspects of costume vigilantes. Oh, excellent. Yeah. And then I have a few random bits and bobs. Let's hear about Leapfrog. So, Leapfrog. So, I feel like She Hulk is kind of poking fun at some cringy aspects of these, like, vigilante types and i feel like now that we're in phase four daredevil's not going to be the only one like you know i think we're going to be getting other ones but Mm -hmm. i liked how she hulk is kind of poking a little bit of fun before you know we get you know daredevil born again uh so like jokes and quips during a fight like the store might be closed but you forgot about the guard frog it's like (laughs) why are you like sometimes it's like you, you shouldn't be quipping. Like there's some situations you shouldn't be doing that. Um, and it's funny because Leapfrog justified it. Well, I was trying to de-escalate the situation. Like that's that was his his rationalization for that. It's and like it's you escalated of, it in the first place. Yeah, you, these guys are just stealing something. You kicked them in the face. So <laughs> so it's just kind of poking fun at like suspension of disbelief explanations for these mm-hmm. story elements. Um, there's like criminals like waiting, like like or the expectation that the criminal is supposed to wait for the attack to take place. So like, it's like there's like a little pause where the criminals are waiting, but then all of a sudden they just start kicking him while he's in the ground because it's like uh, we're criminals, like we don't want you to stop us. So yeah, we're gonna kick you. We're not gonna wait for you politely until you get up and engage in another attack. Um, and he was just saying, you know, twisting toe jam. And I'm just like, no. Like, <laughs> but that, I mean, and then there's like, you know, going after petty criminals. They're like stealing a TV. They're not like trafficking women or doing anything like that. They're just stealing a TV, dude. Like, I think the police can handle that. Yeah. Um, you know, engaging in flamboyant and self-absorbed behavior. 
while fighting dangerous criminals? Like, why do you need to be flamboyant while you're fighting criminals? Just like detain them. Mm. Um, impractical suits and equipment. Enough said. We've talked about that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then just the fact that there's some fans that kind of downplay these aspects a little bit too much when they worship these types of superheroes. And then Nikki is just like, who's that guy in a devil costume doing the walk of shame on your street? Like, she just kind of is like, who's that guy? Like, yeah. But then you have these, you know, thousands of fans at cons that are like, oh my gosh, Daredevil's going to be brought into, you know, phase four. Yeah. He's so bad. And Nikki's just like, who's this clown? Yeah. He's doing the walk of shame. And he's cute, though, from the back. He's like, yeah. You know, it's just like, you know, so I thought that was funny. He just kind of poking fun at Luke Rowe. Yeah. Um, he is so a dork. Other, he is. Some other notes I had was um, kind of just Halloway's attitude. I was like, huh, I wonder if this is a joke or if this is a thing in legal profession. And you're like, yeah, this is a thing in legal profession. Um, Daredevil being in L.A., so he's kind of looked at differently. Because mm-hmm. in New York, he's a celebrated hero. But in LA, you know, it's like, who's this devil guy? Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, I feel like a lot of these notes we already covered. I guess um, Pug, just his reaction to when that guy, the MC, was making that joke. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my reaction. So I guess I'm, <laughs> Pug is like my spirit animal or something. Nice. <laughs> He's my variant. <laughs> I guess I'm a variant of Pug. Um and then the joke that Mallory book had, that's my final note. It was uh, twice the work, half the recognition, and constantly being asked what it's like being a female lawyer. <laughs> and then Nikki and Pug finger snapped. And I said, this is the best, this is a better finger snap than Thanos. So Yeah. Yeah. They did. They Mallory gave her the snaps. Was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mallory had a good point. I was like, yeah, facts. <laughs> yeah. You're right, Mallory. And then... She was up on the stage when Jen got angry and she's like, oh, Jen, don't do it. Like, Mallory always is right about things. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I she love her. Me. I know she and Jen are she supposed to be sort two. of like frenemies, but I I love Mallory. I think she's amazing. I don't mind frenemies. Frenemies is good TV. She got yeah. me in season two. <laughs> if there is one. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's our main conversation everybody we're gonna take a little break and we'll be back there's more to come and we're back and we have some great listener feedback this week from facebook bob oaks says did you catch it at the beginning? As Jen narrates the previously on, she says, previously on my show instead of previously on She-Hulk. Loving that she is owning both sides of her. I think this episode in retrospect really showed that too. It was great to finally see some real classic superhero action on this show. I'm glad they gave us at least one episode like that before the finale. Great build up for the finale. I'm looking forward to seeing how they end this. Mike Mokehi. I hope I got that right. Mike Mulcahy says, That walk of shame scene was everything. My girlfriend and I were laughing so hard, 
we had to pause the episode so we could get it all out of our system. That is a perfect example of why this show is so good. All the real raunchiness and awkwardness of real life, particularly if you're dating, wrapped up in a Marvel bow. Brilliant. Thanks, Mike. Uh, Pake Allen says, did we really just get the classic Daredevil hallway scene and a rooftop scene? Who knew I could be so giddy watching this show? Also, I am not mad about a She-Hulk and Daredevil hookup. They do have chemistry. You're not the only one feeling it, Jen. Yeah, I agree. The chemistry was uh, really good. I I was happy with it. Yeah. Uh, Des Combs says, so I kind of teared up towards the end there. Oh, she does. Greg. Hey, Greg, we miss you. Uh, He's off having life events. Nobody worry. He's fine. Uh, He says, finally, Matt Murdock and in the best way, the courtroom and then a shulky daredevil fight, then team up. Awesome. Wish I could be on to talk about it. And if we thought the process server ending was a bummer, this was the worst. But the gala intro fourth wall break was phenomenal. And finally, an explanation of the difference between goons and henchmen. It, if I wasn't clear, I really liked this one. Yeah, I'm with you, Greg. I mean, goons and henchmen, they, that, that's, that's important differentiation that we need to get, get, get out there. <laughs> it is. Uh, Cheryl Lowe says, love this episode. The difference between a goon and a henchman was hilarious. I agree. I love the Daredevil and She-Hulk together. Their banter was fantastic. I felt so sad at the end with her breaking the fourth wall with that sad pleading, what do I do now expression. I can't believe the season is almost over. I need more. I found this bit about Leapfrog interesting. And she has a, a wiki link to uh, Leapfrog's, uh, I guess, comic book backstory. Yeah, I read through that and uh, I mentioned some of the points earlier. Um interestingly he does it he made his own suit in the comics and then so vincent the father made his own suit and then his son picks it up when his father can no longer do it but the father was a villain and then the son is trying to be a hero yeah i feel like in Uh, the mcu he's doing both really bad yeah (laughs) it's true he's a terrible villain and a terrible hero yeah uh, Karen Madero says, I loved this episode. She-Hulk smashing Daredevil's hallway fight and Matt's walk of shame were hilarious. At least we got some hallway fighting. Jen and Matt were so cute. Heart eyes emoji. I hope we get to see more of these two together. Looks like Jen needs to go back to abomination anger management. <laughs> Looking forward to the podcast. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, Mark Kirkman says, I really enjoyed this episode. We finally get Charlie Cox's Daredevil officially in the MCU. A different kind of Daredevil and Matt Murdock than we had in the Netflix series. We get an answer as to why Matt is in L.A. since he is from Hell's Kitchen, New York. I love the hero action in it. Plus that savage She-Hulk at the end of the episode. I'm looking forward to the finale. So Thanks for the feedback, that, guys. I think about... Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Thank you for your oh, go ahead. feedback. No, it's just when I hear Savage She-Hulk, I'm thinking about um, Megan Thee Stallion's song, Savage. Like, I'm just thinking, like, yeah. it's going to play in the credits when we get to the end of the series. I don't know. That would be nice. I like I mean, Megan Thee Stallion's that music. Song, that song slaps. I'm not even a yeah. Megan Thee Stallion fan, but I like that song. <laughs> I think she's really cool. Um, 
And we have one voicemail from Karen, my college friend. Hi, Penny and Greg. Uh, I'm a little behind, but um, not too much. Uh, I wanted to comment about the retreat episode. And I wanted to say that um, I'm with Penny and hoping that uh, Blonsky is, you know, actually a good guy. Maybe he's being used. And so because I think it, it changes that whole trope of, oh, he seems to be, you know, good now, but he's actually bad. And, and I, I'd love it if he just stayed good for the whole time. So we'll see what happens with that. I also wanted to mention that my almost 16-year-old daughter said to me that she thought it was cool that there was sort of a gender flip in the um, when they were sort of having their group session. And normally in movies and TV shows, it's a bunch of women giving relationship advice to a man. And we both really love that it was a bunch of men giving relationship advice to a woman, even if uh, possibly it was, you know, for an evil intent. Um, we really, we really liked having that, that kind of turnaround and we thought it was played really well. We enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. So that's it. Bye. <laughs> Thanks, Karen. We love getting voicemails, you guys. Uh, and next week is the finale. So send in all your thoughts. Everything. We want to hear it about the finale episode, about the series as a whole, about your hopes and dreams for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. All of it. Uh, yeah, no, feedback is great. Uh, I yeah. Definitely am glad that we got some this week and hopefully we get more because this is, the, like you said, this is the ending. We, we, yeah. Right at the cusp at the ending. Uh, last week's Marvel question of the week was to pick a signature song for your favorite MCU character. We didn't get a ton of answers, and I think maybe the question was a little bit confusing for people. The example I gave was I'm Every Woman by Whitney Houston for She-Hulk uh, would be a good signature song for her. We got one response from Cheryl Lowe, and uh, she suggested a few. Tie a yellow ribbon around the old oak tree by Tony Orlando for Groot, which is hilarious. Uh, Rocket Man by Elton John for Rocket. Unstoppable by Sia for Lady Thor. And A Natural Woman for Nebula. (laughs) That Nebula one's interesting. Yeah. I guess the Aretha Franklin version of that song. Or maybe the Carole King version. They're both good. And then Greg had uh, Sherry Roy- Royal by Lord. Um, actually, it is funny because she is royalty. Uh, Punisher Big Gun by ACBC. <laughs> <laughs> and then Scarlet Witch Bring Me to Life by Evanescence because Vision's dead. Yeah. Um, I love that song, Bring Me to Life by Evanescence and when I saw Greg's comment, I was like, I have to play that song right now. <laughs> like I just, oh, really? I, was, I mean, yeah, I, I like that song. I, I like that song. It's funny, though, because isn't the context of the song kind of fit Scarlet Witch? Because she felt dead inside because yeah. Quicksilver died and then Vision kind of brought her to life as the flashback the WandaVision showed. Yeah. Uh, it's a great pick for Scarlet Witch. It really is. Do you have a do you have an entry? I have two. Um, so I was confused by the question because um, I thought it was referring to like musical moments within Marvel that, that are already established in the, in the mm-hmm. Marvel universe. But now that I know, oh, like which song would fit a character, like a new song. 
Um, I would say two answers that I have. One is um, it's going to be me by NSYNC, and that's going to be for Bucky. Oh, that's and hilarious. I, and I think Bucky should sing it to <laughs> Sam Wilson. Like he's, cause the, the song is about a, a reliable friend wanting to, you know, be like acknowledged for their, their, their loyalty. Like, you know, I've been there for you all these years and you don't, it's like you, you act like I don't exist, you know, and considering that Sam is still emotionally torn over Steve leaving i feel like it's a good fit yeah um and then the other one i had was um this is a hip-hop song it's not a big mainstream song but it's um new africa by sci high the prince and it's just talking about this dream that he has of where africa is the major power in the world not the united states and like all these public prominent african-americans have these like larger roles in society Mm -hmm. um and it's just and it ends with a spoken word poem that i really like that kind of if like i can picture wakanda the splendor of wakanda when i hear the spoken word at the end of that song so that's a great choice yeah i um i got on a little roll about this um last night i was i was trying to come up with one answer and i i came up with several um So the first one I thought of was Creep by Radiohead for Loki, because he is kind of a creep. Um, Jump Around by House of Pain for Leapfrog. (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) Like a Girl by Lizzo for Captain Marvel. Okay, that makes sense. Um, Season of the Witch by Donovan for Agatha Harkness. Although I do like the It Was Agatha All Along song. It's pretty great. Yeah, that song slaps. Um, Eye in the Sky by the Alan Parsons Project for Heimdall. I never, I never heard that song. It's an old song. I think it's from the seventies. But okay. just Eye in the Sky. It's about like somebody watching over everybody. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Moon Shadow by Cat Stevens for Moon Knight. Um, the lyric uh, is "I'm being followed by a moon shadow," which is kind of his life, right? Because um, the moon god is you know, controlling him. And then, uh, now that we found love by heavy D and the boys for Ant-Man and the wasp. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That worked. That's perfect. Like that's, that one stands out. I mean, yeah. all of them were good, good ideas. But that one stands out. <laughs> I just thought I al- like, Oh no, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I also thought about, um, I believe I can fly by R Kelly for, uh, Sam Wilson. And then I was like, no, R Kelly, we're not doing that. Yeah. We can, <laughs> uh, we can do fly like an Eagle. Yeah, or On the Wings of Love. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of flying I, songs. I thought of um, Man in the Mirror by Michael Jackson for Moon Knight. Oh, yeah. That's a maybe good one. Maybe that ends the, the scene. That would, you could have played that at the end of the series where Mark and Steven coexist peacefully. Yeah. Oh, Moon Knight was so good. Um, but it's, it's just how they yeah. communicate through a mirror. That's just like... Yeah, Man in the Mirror would be really funny. Yeah. yeah. So our Marvel question of the week for next week, which will be our last one, is now that we've gotten to see a She-Hulk Daredevil fight, who else would you like to see Jen fight and who do you think would win? Uh, so you're just going to turn the whole 
chat into a bunch of nine-year-olds because that's that's where we're going yeah yeah that's all that's we fine. have when we do these who gonna win a fight questions yep. <laughs> <laughs> i like i like fomenting um inter-fan arguments on facebook i think it's funny i'm gonna i'm gonna cheat and i want to see one woman she hold let's go one woman oh She-Hulk. that would be cool let's go and I'm yeah for one woman i'm biased <laughs> okay then i'll I like gen two though yeah all right everybody that is our show thanks for listening everyone if you'd like to get in touch or find out more about podcastica you can find all of our contact information at podcastica.com you can write in or record a voice message right there on podcastica.com or find links to our social media pages and other shows, information about the Patreon group. Uh, there's lots of podcasts on there. We uh, have so much content uh, happening right now. We're so lucky to be nerds in 2022. Uh, and the podcasts that are coming out are fantastic. Um, I'm really enjoying the House of the Dragon coverage on um, Dragoncast. And of course, The Walking Dead is back and uh, The Walking Dead cast has been really entertaining to listen to. Yeah, for me, it's it's just been Walking Dead cast. I've been uh, a little <laughs> bit busy with other uh, side projects and in, in, in my regular job. Um, but I'm hoping 2023, you know, because I know Jason, the podfather, he has plans for 2023. So I'm hoping to do listen to more content 2023. But right now, Walking Dead cast, you know, just I, yeah. the old, old reliable. I love it. And I'm happy that Jason and, and Lucy and, and some other fun guests are uh, they're 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 taking us home to the end of that show. It's emotional, but it's very satisfying. Yeah, it's like. I'm crying and laughing at the same time, basically. <laughs> Thank you so much, Rinaldi, for coming on the podcast and guest hosting with me and filling in for Greg. Um, everybody out there, I want to just remind you that Rinaldi's other podcast is called Marvelous Friends. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, and uh, it's pretty entertaining, so I recommend it. You can find it, you know, if you don't have Apple, you can find it any platform, Spotify, Stitcher, any platform. Um, yeah, stick strap in because you know it's gonna be a wild ride, a lot of fun. <laughs> and next time on this podcast, She Hulk Attorney at Law, Season One, Episode Nine, the finale. Uh, title not yet released. Um, again, thank you. Again, yeah. That's our show. Thanks for joining us. Ribbit and rip it. Yes, yes, rip it and rip it, indeed. <laughs>